0: This is the Tribe of Millionaires podcast from GoBundance, the tribe of healthy, wealthy, generous people who choose to live epic lives. Listen Tuesdays for featured guests and Fridays for GoBundance member spotlights. But listen always to hear how our guests have grabbed life big. Now, here's your host, Jamie Gruber. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. I I, this guy and I have chatted for (laughs) goddamn close to an hour before we even started recording. Fascinating man! You're going to get a dose of energy. You're going to get an amazing story. Let me let me tell you a little bit about my guest Sean Casey today. So he is a Cincinnati Reds Hall of Famer. We share Bob Castellini as friends, uh, which is amazing. He's a three time Major League Baseball All Star. A 300 uh, career batting average, I believe 302 career. I could be wrong about that. Hit 529 in the 06 World Series with the Tigers. He was the 1999 Hutch Award winner for perseverance in the face of adversity. And we could go on forever. He's nicknamed the mayor. We've got a bunch of stuff we're going to talk about that he's involved with. Uh, Wow. Just an incredible guest to have, Sean. Thank you for being here.
1: Oh, Jamie, man, thanks a lot for having me on, man. I'm really, really looking forward to it, brother. Really looking forward to it.
0: Uh, the, the pleasure is on this side, trust me. And this is got to get really <laughs> cool. So let's go. Let's go with backstory. So give me a yeah. little bit of uh, of of the story of Sean Casey. Many people are going to know your name. They're going to remember you from your yeah. days in Major League Baseball. In fact, most people I've mentioned that you're going to be onto are like. Sean Casey first baseman I remember that guy like so you're, you're well known enough in that regard right but give me a little bit of the beginnings of this back to high school or whatever it might be yeah. start from there and take us through
1: you know it's funny with my story I look back you know it, 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 it's 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 amazing how you know at 47 I look back to my life and I'm like man when did things kind of get going for me and sure. you know as a dad with four kids and you know the advice that you give your kids you know I know from my dad and, and my relationship with him, you know, it was, it was impactful. Like what he said to me on a couple occasions literally changed the trajectory of my life. And so I, I kind of go back to like, I was 14 years old. You know, I was one of the best players all the way up. Like when I was 12, you know, 10, 11, 12, 13 years old, I was, you know, I was, uh, you know, one of the better hitters in, in baseball and, and all that. Well, we got to 14 years old by freshman year in high school. Man, it was funny. It was the first year I really didn't play that much. You know, it was the first year that I, um, you know, I, I, I did the, the coach obviously didn't see me at 12 when I was hitting homers. But at, at 14, yeah. he made his own judgments. And I remember going home to my dad after, like, game five. I'm like, Dad, can you go talk to the head coach? Because, you know, he doesn't know how good I am. He doesn't know that I've been the best player 10, 11, 12, 13. You know, you got to, can you just go talk to him? You know, so I can start getting some at bats and starting, you know what I mean? Cause I'm better than the guy that's starting ahead of me. Yeah. And i never forget it. You know, my dad, you know, just, just a great guy, philosopher, you know, just, a, you know, start his own company, just a go getter of a guy. I remember him sitting, sitting at me, looking at me and saying, you know what, Sean, you know, I'm not going to go talk to your coach because he obviously sees something that if you were glaringly better than that kid, you'd be playing. And he said, so you need to work harder. You need to get glaringly better. You need to put more time in. You need to, you need to, you need to get better at your craft. You need to get the reps in. And I was like, man, this is the first time I kind of heard this in my life and a batting cage had just opened up in the town next to us. And my dad said, listen, I'll make a deal with you. And my dad didn't make a ton of money. Chemical salesman kind of a grinder, you know? And he's like, listen, so I knew this was a big thing when he said it, he's like, listen, I'll buy, As many tokens as you'll use so if you hit and you show up every day to hit I'll buy you those tokens as soon as you stop deals off I said deal dad so sure enough I started to go hit at this batting cage every day after school got batting gloves started hitting every day after school I ran into a guy um, this guy named Frank Porco who was like a hitting coach at that facility he's a labor negotiator never played college baseball so I didn't even know what he was going to teach me so every tuesday night i go to frank porco 5 30 to 6 20 bucks back in the day jamie you know what i mean yeah, yeah now you yeah. can't you can't get that now it's 100 bucks 20 right. bucks right 20 bucks he'd show me a couple things but man it started to ignite my passion for for hitting for skills like for understanding man keeping your front shoulder in how to relax how to see the ball how to drive the ball the other way so next thing i know showing up to hit wasn't that hard anymore, man? I showed up every day with the batting gloves, hit, 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 hit. Tuesday night, Frank Porco and those other six and a half, seven days. And I always tell people, I go, listen, you don't get better on a lesson. You get better when, when you're by yourself. You get better on the time that you're taking to sit. You know, you get better on your own. You know, you don't get better at practice. You don't get better in a lesson. You get better when you're working in the garage and and you're working the batting cages. So sure enough, my goal was to start JV. So after all these reps and all this time. Bam, my JV year comes. I start, right? I'm starting to be glaringly better. Yeah. Junior year I start. Senior year I start. Boom. I'm thinking things are rolling. And I, and at that point I wanted to play division one baseball. It was always my goal. It was so funny, bro. At 12, I said, I'm gonna play in the big leagues one day. And people would say, Well, you know, you're you're kind of heavy set. You don't play great defense. You don't run well, and I didn't run well at the time. You know, I wasn't the guy on the field that you looked at and go, "That guy's going to play in the big leagues one day." You like looked at me deer, and you said, right? "Yeah, yeah, you, yeah." You looked at me and you said, "That guy looks like he's ice skating in quicksand out there." You know what I mean? <laughs> but in my mind, James, I said, "I'm going to play in the big leagues one day." And it was a, it was that crazy. We talk about manifesting things. It was crazy because, like, I think the only one that believed in me was me at the time. You know what I mean? Because because. I would go to tryouts and stuff. And, you know, the first day I'd, we'd run the 60 and they'd be like the, the next they they'd read the names off. And I was never on there. And I'd say, Hey, I think you got it wrong. Uh, Sean Casey, you didn't read that off. And they'd go, no, you ran a seven, four 60 you're, you're out of here. And I was like, is this a track meet or, or a baseball tryout? Cause don't, don't you have to actually hit, you know what I mean? So, yeah. so what's funny is my story fast forwards my senior year. I was a pretty good baseball player now, bro. Like I, was yeah. a really good hitter the repetitions the mother's skill i really did start honing my craft and and i really wanted to play in you know in in in, in, in uh, i just wanted to play division three baseball now i i but yeah. i thought to myself if i can get the college ball i'll show them i'm good enough and i'll just keep moving playing the big leagues right so during my senior year my dad's message to me was hey listen preparation meeting opportunity luck is preparation meeting opportunity he's like your opportunity is going to come one day, Sean. And he goes, and if it'd be a shame, if you're not ready for it. Well, what's so funny is all this time, bro, I've been hitting since freshman year. Now it's my senior year with like 12 games to go. No one, I don't have an offer. I don't have a division three offer, a division two offer, or division one offer. It was like so frustrating. And I remember my dad at the time was starting his company called Casey chemical and he was doing network marketing. So back then you didn't have social media where you could to send out a tweet or a Instagram. And the reason I know bro is because every month on a Friday, once a month I'd come home from school and my mom and dad be like, buckle up, Sean, we got 5,000 envelopes. You need to lick. I'm like, what? I'm like, are you paying me? I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. So, and my dad's whole thing was hey, if we send out 5,000 letters a month and I get two or three sales from here, we're paying the bills, right? And so, when I was at the end of my high school, you know, my senior year, I had no offers. And I remember my dad coming into me and saying, you know what, Sean, if they're not gonna come to you and it looks like they're not, right? right. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, you better go to them. And yeah. so what I did was he goes, write 30 letters, sit down and think about the schools that you want to go to and write them down. So I did. And it was and James, it was Division Three, Division One, College of Wooster, Marietta, Clemson, Penn State. So you, I, I yeah. wrote all. Yeah, I wrote all these letters, sent them out. And the, on the 31st letter, my dad said, hey, listen, why don't you send University of Richmond one? they sent you a flyer? They sent you a flyer last year after they saw you in the Keystone State kids. So the last letter I wrote was University of Richmond. I wrote it down. I'd like to come there. I think I can hit. I know. And I didn't even want to so I said, I just want to get in and walk on. So yeah. sure enough, bro, week goes by, a couple weeks, by, no one responds to me. So I, I know at this point, I'm, I'm going to go to John Carroll in Cleveland. I don't even have an offer. I'm going to try and walk on and see what I can do. And I remember asking the John Carroll coach, Hey, has anyone ever been drafted out of here? And he said, well, Don Shula went here. I was like, what the hell is that? How's that help me? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm not getting a football coach. Right, I'm trying yeah. to get in the big leagues, right? Yep, yep. So so sure enough, um, <laughs> with four games to go in my high school career, we play this team called Montour. First to bat, bases loaded, double in the gap. Next to bat, left center, double in the gap. I end up hitting four doubles, four, four for four, four doubles, eight RBIs, right? So in the seventh inning, my coach... Jerry Malarkey's like, hey, Case, you're having a great game. What do you, how many hits you? I got four hits, eight ribbies, four doubles. He goes, you know what? That's great, man. He goes, you see the guy over there? I said, yeah. He goes, that's the University of Richmond pitching coach. He drove up with his wife to see you play today. He drove six hours from Richmond. I said, yeah. no way. So after the game, Mark McQueen came up to me, who was the pitching coach, and he said, hey, man, really like your swing. He goes, let me go, home. Let me go back and talk to the head coach, and, you know, and we'll call you later. Next day, they called me with a $1,000 scholarship. Wow. To go to the University of Richmond. Yeah, which was yeah. like, it was 30 grand a year to go there. Right, right, my dad right, was yeah. making 33 grand. So it was like, oh my God, like, we're, like, my dad's like, we'll second mortgage the house to get there. You know what I mean? But, but that yeah. was, that was my only offer. I got a thousand bucks and went to Richmond. And sure enough, man, talk about paying it, playing it forward. I started my freshman year there, was a freshman All American. My sophomore year, I played well. Then I went to the Cape. And then the Cape Cod League is the, the, the elite of college baseball. And I didn't know if I belonged there or not. But then I started to play well. I ended up hitting 340, led the league in RBIs. I was the the top first baseman in the league over Todd Helton at the time. And they talked about Helton being the first pick of the draft. That was the first time for me that I was like, all these swings, all this belief in myself that I'm gonna play in the big leagues one day and I'm just gonna keep hitting until, I'm gonna keep that process going and the results are gonna keep showing up if I keep doing it. Sure enough, after my sophomore year, I went back to Richmond I won the NCAA batting title my junior year, number one player in division one baseball. So think about this three years ago. I can't get a division three offer division three. I, I write those 30 letters three years later. I'm the division one batting champion. I hit 461. I was the best hitter in the country. I become the second round pick for the Cleveland Indians. Yeah. And I go into pro ball and it's just, you know, it's amazing. And a couple of years, two years later, I'm in, I'm I'm in the big leagues with the Indians, then with the reds and then bam, the journey started. But had that conversation with my dad at 14 gone differently where he goes and talks to the coach and says, hey, you got to play my son. You know, he's better. You know, he's better. You know, he's better. He did the exact job and said, like, you have to take accountability for yourself and go out and do it. You actually have to put in the work and go and do it. And then the, the next lesson of, you know, when I was a senior was no one's coming for you, man. Yeah, No one's coming to help you. You got to actually go out there and help yourself. You got to go take it if you want it. Like no one's going to send you letters and think you're this great player. Cause obviously no one's, no one's coming. You got to go out and let people know who you are and put it out there. And I think like those two conversations with my dad and I look back at my 12 year career and all the wonderful things that have happened, man, as a father, when I look back at that and I go, man, I, I, there's a lot of gratitude in those conversations and those life lessons that it yeah. wasn't like things are just handed to you. Like, Cause they never handed to my dad. And he knew that, that when I go off in life, you know, I got to figure it out and I got to be able to put the energy and the time into it.
0: You know, it's incredible about that. Your dad gave you the gift of not allowing you to be a victim. And I I, yes. I can't help but reflect on myself. And I, this isn't an indictment of my parents, but my parents would have gone and talked to the coach. Right. Like, that's just their, <laughs> that's, just their right. that's their way of being. They're just they're protecting their baby boy, not thinking like, you know, oh, I'm robbing this guy of accountability, meaning me, but they would have gone and talked to the coach. So you're right. I mean, I love how you're, you're making the point that life really pivots in these little moments, right? That little moment, talk to the coach, not talk to the coach. That decision created potentially, right. you know, other things along the way, but potentially set you off on a path that, hey, write the letter to Richmond. That sets you off on a path, right? It's just, it's incredible. But the thing I'm wondering about, And maybe it is the fact that you stuck to the process. I don't know. But at 12 years old, I'm going to be a major leaguer. You're running a seven six sixty, whatever the heck it was. Like you're too too slow to be a a ball player. Yeah, you're not getting in. Then you you get to this the Cape Cod League. I don't know if I belong here. I've had that feeling in so many ways, even just joining Gobundas. I've felt that the beginning, like, man, do I belong around these guys? Right. W- what is it? What is it that that allows you? And you won the Hutch Award for perseverance yeah. in the face of adversity. Yeah. What is that? Were you born with that? Is that something that you attribute to your dad? Is it just that you've been so focused on the 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 habits and process versus the result? I mean, is it all of it? What what do you attribute your ability to overcome that adversity and stand in the face of a bunch of people at 12 and say, I'm going to be a major league baseball player. Screw all of you for laughing at me. Or I don't care that Todd Helton's the number one pick. I'm better than him or I'm better than this kid in ninth grade. What is that? Yeah.
1: Isn't that, isn't that funny? Yeah. It's amazing. I think there's a lot of different things that go into that. Um, and I, and I also think there's a little bit of a dreamer in there, you know, a little bit of a dreamer that, you know, what, man, like. Now nah, I'm going to do it. And like, I had such a deep seated belief. And it's funny because like I said, I was a little, you know, I, I, I was a little heavier as a kid. Like I said, I wasn't the athlete you saw. You said, you, there's no one that looked at me, Sean Casey back then said, this guy's going to play 12 years in the big leagues. No one, not, not anybody. Right, but what's right. so funny is I remember going to the three river stadium with my dad, with the pirates. And my, I remember looking at my dad when I was 15, got my nachos in hand, salsa and cheese, ready to go. I looked at my dad and said, I'm going to be here one day. And the greatest thing about my dad was he would say, why not you? Why not you? And I remember that, I remember people would say, zero 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 one percent of people are gonna play in the big leagues, you should get a job. And I said, well, well, why not me? Why not me in that 0. 0.001%, you know what I mean? And I, in my junior year in high school, my dad bought me three books and I wasn't a reader. I wasn't, you know, I, I, didn't, I didn't read at all back then, right? I'm a big reader now, but I wasn't a big reader then. Charlie Lau, the Art of Hitting 300, Ted Williams, the Science of Hitting, And Harvey Dorfman, the mental game of baseball. For whatever reason, brother, I fell in love with that book, the mental game of baseball by Harvey Dorfman. And I used to go during my, during my free periods in school, you know, everyone's you know, I go eat lunch. Then I go to the library. I couldn't believe it. I'd open up the book and I'd start just, you know, here it is right here. Matter of fact, here's the book. I used to, I used to literally go right
0: there. I used to go. That wasn't a setup. I like that. It
1: wasn't. No, it's weird. It wasn't. I had it here for another show, (laughs) but it wasn't a setup. And you know, this, the book on confidence, right. Make confidence a very top priority attitudes, like the winning attitude, the losing at mental discipline. This is my, this is my biggest chapter, mental discipline. I'm in control. Let's get the job done. Like this stuff started Hmm. to come into my mind. Like you wouldn't believe at 16, right at 16, I dove in this book and that's what I tell people. I'm like, listen, you either do or you don't like you either put the time in physically to take the, take the, take the reps and get, and get the skill and then develop your mind. Right. So like this helped develop my mind so much at 16 so that I started to learn, especially the one thing Harvey talked about, like focus on the process, not the results, focus on the task at hand. What's your job. And I started to buy into that at like 16, 17, 18 years old. And I can remember, and, his, and another thing he used to say was breathe or die. You gotta be able to live in the moment and that breath gets you into the moment, right? And so for me, what's so funny is I, I got so engulfed in, in that belief in myself that if I can lock in every time I take the field and every time I get into my at-bat of the process of my at-bat of slowing down, of hunting the fastball, Of looking middle away, reacting in. And I can do that over and over and over. That consistency will give me results, right? Showing up every single pitch, not every at bat, not every game, every pitch. And I think when I learned that, it it took me to another level. But I also understood, too, I could take that to my weightlifting. When I show up to lift weights, I'm not going to, I'm going to hit every rep. I'm going to do everything it says on the paper. Whatever the coach is telling me to do, I'm going to do it and I'm going to get stronger and i did it was funny to see my body develop in college to that you know wow i didn't even know i could do this stuff but man i sh- you know what i do i show up 4 days a week i show up when i'm supposed to show up i hit every rep i do everything i'm supposed to do and i also hit in the cages by myself at night i used to go i loved hitting it's the reason i love pearl jam and the reason i love acdc i used to go hit by myself in the cages at richmond when no one was there and if yeah. someone came in i'd leave because i just wanted to be by myself and i'd listen to the 10 album and back in black and i would just roll them <laughs> i would just yeah. roll them and i'd hit bucket after bucket right and so i always say too, when you're hitting when you're doing things by yourself when you're reading books when you're when you're uh when you're meditating whatever you're doing you're building confidence like i was building skill But I was building my mind, my confidence. So when I knew I showed up at practice the next day or I showed up at a game, hey, man, guess what? You don't know how much time I put in. You don't know the things that go through my mind. So when I'm in that box and I'm facing you, boy, I've built so much confidence because of the time I put in by myself. And so I think it was all that, Jamie, like all that stuff of the belief of process and focus on the task hand every day and everything that I did I think that was the belief I was I gained so much confidence in it that I was like, I can, I can beat anybody. I, 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 if, if it's a one-on-one battle I've put in the time and the reps and the mental reps and, and, and I know the process so well, I've mastered my process in baseball. I'm going to beat you.
0: I'm going to beat there's you. Interesting peek into the idea of peak performance for me. I've been, I have you could probably tell if you're watching, I'm scribbling notes because there's, there's, there's a lot of places I want to go with this, and I'm I want to I want to distill this a bit because you mentioned it. 0.001 percent of anybody that plays baseball is going to play in the major leagues, and that includes the guy that bounces up for a 10 day contract plus right, the 12 year right. the 12 year veteran that you are, right? So it's right. anybody that's played in the majors, but right. then within that, you've got yeah an even smaller percentage that play the career played as long as you did, and an even smaller percentage that hit one All Star game, let alone right. three, right? right? So you're in the batting cages late at night, no one else is there is is that in the interest of in the idea of peak performance is the fact that you were doing that the differentiator between all-star Sean Casey and guy that can't can't you know can't fully stay out of AAA or is it something that you're doing in those cages like so okay great you're taking the reps you're listening to music you know you're building your confidence you're taking the reps. but is 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 there intentionality with each swing that you have like I I think about books. I read a book and I know for me, like, i Oh, that was interesting. Throw it away onto the next book. And I might not extract anything from that book. Like, right. is that where peak performance lies? Is it in the fact that yes, you're doing it, but is there something that you're doing when you're doing it, that, that takes it to that next level? Does that make sense? What's going on everybody? It's Jamie. I'm jumping in real quick here because some people are listening to this podcast thinking, man, I hear this guest. I hear what they're talking about. This whole Go Abundance thing sounds pretty cool. I'd love to be a part of that. And I would say to you, if you are qualified to be part of Go Abundance, you're a millionaire or accredited at the very least, jump onto GoAbundance.com and just put your application in. You'll get on a call. It might even be with me where we can talk about what you're trying to do, what you're trying to accomplish and what it is to be part of this community in depth. Would love to have a conversation with you about that. It's been just so life-changing for me. And for those of you out there that are saying, yeah, sounds great. I would if I were a millionaire or if I were accredited, but I'm not there yet. We've got that now. We've built a program and I run it. I love, love being a part of it. I left my job for it called Emerge and Ascend. Emerge is where you got to start. It's a 12-week intensive sprint goal-setting course. You're going to get curriculum every week. You're going to get live intervention every week. You're going to get connection with GoBundance members every week. You're going to get accountability from like-minded people every week. Jump into that, kill it, and we invite you to ascend, which is essentially the GoBundance mastermind without the million-dollar requirement. And we actually even add in coaching to help folks find their purpose, their mission, their values. It's intense. It's, it's everything all wrapped in one. So again, if you're a millionaire or you're at least accredited and you're wondering about this abundance thing and that should I, shouldn't I, just apply. Throw your name in. You lose nothing. All you do is put your name into an application form, you get on a phone call, and then you decide. If you're not yet at that million-dollar mark, look at Emerge. goabundancecom slash Emerge. And what you can do as well is drop my name in there, Jamie, J-A-M-I-E, and we'll knock 200 bucks off the tuition for Emerge. Jump in there and we'll get you started on your journey toward being a whole life millionaire, toward getting to GoBundance, whatever you want. People in Emerge, people in Ascend, people in GoBundance all report back often the changes it's made in their lives financially, relationally, and everywhere else. So go to GoBundance.com. Check all of that out. See wherever you are, dive into that particular area of GoBundance, and we'd love to see you inside of the tribe. Now, back to our show.
1: That's a great question. Because I, I mean, I think you nailed it. And I, I tell my kids all the time, I was like, when you go into the cages, I have two sons that play in college. One's, one's a sophomore at Dayton, one's a freshman at Kent State. But yeah. we've been hitting their whole life. And I've told them the same message. like, if you wanna go hit, let me know because I'll be ready to go hit with you. But I'm not gonna ask you to go hit. I'm not gonna tell you it's a good idea. If you wanna get better, I'm showing you the equation, right? But I said, when you get in the cages, you have to hit with intention. Mm. You can't just show up and rep it out. Because if I show up and rep it out and I'm doing the wrong stuff, I'm repping the wrong stuff, mm. right? So for me, it was, you know, I would I would, I would would work the T in a way that was like, I thought it was masterful. Looking back, I didn't understand it probably as a, as a younger kid. But as an older adult and I look back and I go, wow, what intention I had. I would try to manipulate the tee. You know, ideally, when you hit a baseball, you should hit it off your front leg, right? That's, if, if you went right now, Jamie, and I was going to give you a hitting lesson, we get in the cage, I say, all right, Jamie, put the tee. When you step, your leg, your foot should be right on that front, that front tee, and bam, that's called getting it off your front leg. That, you would see like a home run would hit, be hit right there. Yeah. But the great hitters can manipulate that T where if I took that T, I started to put it on my back leg. And I said, if I can master the, the, the path of getting this ball on my back leg and rocking it to left center. So what I would do is I would do the long, I would, I would hit in the cage and I would use the whole cage. So when I would hit the ball, it would go all the way to the back end of the cage, you know, 70 feet down there, 60, 70 feet. And what I would try to do was manipulate the T to move it back in my stance so that I could work my bat path, so that I knew that if I could hit this ball, I could hit this ball and this ball too, right? Wow. And and I and what I would do is I would try to hit two to three hundred balls in a row left center on that pitch, hmm. right? And yeah. what was amazing was with that intention, what I found was I created this bat path that when I got into a game, if you threw me a nasty slider, a nasty cutter, a nasty curveball, you know. Any pitch you threw me by creating this bat path of intention that I did in the cages by myself, I found that I could hit all pitches. I found that even if you if you, you know, the, the goal in a baseball one-on-one grudge match is that pitcher is trying to deceive me, is trying to deceive the hitter. So yeah. if he can deceive me with a good changeup, a Trevor Hoffman change up or, or a Randy Johnson slider or whatever, that deception is what makes them great. Well, me countering that deception is what makes me great right so yeah. i had developed a skill of like i said i went and hit with off the tee with intention of learning that when the ball comes in man if it's something that isn't a fastball but my bat path is it, you know starts in the zone early i can manipulate the barrel to kind of master my craft and I, that's what i that's why and that's why i was turned out to be a great player in the big leagues and a and a 300 career hitter you know which is amazing there's only i think there's only close to 200 career 300 hitters in the lot. big leagues yeah, you know with right. 19,000 guys to play you know it's really yeah. unbelievable but i think my practicing with intention yeah. every day helped me so much to develop the skill that helped me in the game against anyone i faced
0: is that is that the difference between you and most other major league baseball players that maybe that didn't get to your level? Is that the, is it like, did you not see them in the cages? Or if they were in the cages, were they just repping it out? Maybe bad form. Like I want to get into that. Like, yeah. 99.9%. Like you're there, you're significant yeah. A baseball player an executive, whatever it might be. But like, what is that difference? Cause then I want to ask you like, right. what's the difference between you and your buddy, Jeff Bagwell, like what's right. the difference there? If anything, like- dude,
1: it's, it's unbelievable. You know, it's funny. I, I, I was coaching with the Toronto Blue Jays a couple of years ago when Bo Bichette and Vladimir Guerrero jr. And these guys were in the minor leagues Yeah. and they had me talk to these guys. And I said, guys, I said, um, I'm going to have my family come over today. And we're all going to go hit in the backfield. I'm gonna have, and I'm bringing the big leaguers down. Josh Donaldson was on the team at the time. Jose Batista. I got the big leaguers down. I got 300 minor leaguers. Let's get it on. We're gonna get by the field. I'm gonna bring my family over, who knows nothing about baseball. They, right. they don't have the they don't have the scout's eye, right? Yeah. Like 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 I would, or somebody else has a scout's eye. So I said, Let, let's get everybody together, and uh, we're gonna watch, and we're gonna we're gonna get. Uh, so here we go. Bo Bichette hits. Vlad Guerrero Jr. hits. You know all the other minor leaguers hit. Right right guys that aren't gonna play in the big leagues. And and the big leaguer is gonna hit. <clears throat> and after this session, I'm gonna say to my my I'm gonna say to my family, hey, can you tell me who the big leaguers are? Hmm. And they're gonna have no idea. You know why they're gonna have no idea? Everyone in pro ball who's in the, who's in the minor leagues, they all hit the ball 420. Yeah. Right. They all can hit, crush a ball. They all fly. They all can fly. Yep. They all can field a baseball. If you watched anyone, James, you'd be like, more. Those are soft hands. They got great. They got great. They all have cannons of arms. Right. Everything. And I said, so why are 95% of you not going to play a day in the big leagues? I want to know why. I want to know why my family can't tell who the big leaguers are and who aren't. But yeah. why are 95% of you guys not going to play in the big leagues? I just find that to be unbelievable. And I'll tell you what, the reason is this. It is such a hard game.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it is such a game of failure.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And in the real world, when you fail 70% of the time, you're fired. You don't get hey, great job, dude. You're having a great time. You're yeah. out of here, bro. Yeah, Jamie, you fail 70% of the time of, of selling real estate. You're out of here. You, yeah, you right. can't do anything for me. I can get a guy to come 50, sell 50%, right? Well, yeah. guess what? It's a game of failure. It's a game to, that gets you down. What you do with that failure is so important. Right. So if I take that failure and I take it personally, if I take that failure and I listen to everybody's opinion about me, if I take that failure and listen to the fans that tell me I suck, if I take the failure and I and I and I listen to my hitting coach and he tells me to do this, do that, do this, guess what? I'm out of here. But if I take that failure and it becomes information for me, if I take that failure and it becomes opportunity for me, now I'm I'm different than you. I'm different because over Jamie, listen. We play 162 games in 180 days, bro.
0: Yeah.
1: There's no time to be the victim. There's no time to feel bad about yourself. And I just feel like it's a tough skill. It's a skill that has to be developed in business or baseball or life or whatever you're doing. You know, what's the narrative you tell yourself every day? I used to tell myself when I struggled, you know, the media would say, hey, man, you're really struggling. And I would tell myself, hey, the storm's coming.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: The storm's coming tomorrow. Like, I don't – oh, yeah, but you're facing uh, Kerry Wood. Good. It yeah. doesn't matter who I'm facing. If a guy had a bazooka up there, I'm about to get somebody. I'm one pitch away from dominating. I'm one pitch away from getting hot, right? So, like, it was that mentality and that belief of, like, doing it every pitch. And I just I just think, for me, when you see guys in the minor leagues that never make it, they don't know how to do it every pitch, every day, and, 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 and the failure becomes too much. And I how think – you-
0: how do you develop that though? How do you develop the ability? You know, we, I talked to Anthony Tolliver, I was telling you about him, uh, uh, a yeah. uh, basketball player. And he was sa- talking about performing to an audience of one, which I thought was a great line for him. That meant, you know, God, for him, it was a spiritual thing. Like, don't worry right. about the audience. So, but how do you do that? How do you develop the, the ability? Cause you're, I, that makes so much sense to me that it's the, at the end of the day, the phys- cause you're right. If I were to go watch a bunch of college to NBA players, like I, I probably couldn't tell the physical difference. Right. But or baseball players or whatever, but what is it? How do you develop that skill where I'm one pitch away? Yeah. Give me Carrie wood. It doesn't matter to me. Like how do you stay inside and not get broken down by the failure? How do you do that? Because
1: I mastered my process. Mm. I mastered the breath. Like I remember, I remember I always told myself "If, if I can get into the right state, I can beat anybody. If I let anxiety and stress take over my state, I can't beat anybody. I'm hoping to do well. So I knew when I, when I didn't have great games or, or I was hot, to stay there, I just knew it was like, if I could breathe and slow down every pitch, yeah. I knew I had a shot. Like I knew that, man, I got a shot to get this guy because I know I'm turning, because whenever you turn your breath on, you turn your vision on and your eyes and your brain are connected. What do they say when you have anxiety right now in life? What do we, you know, hey man, do, the, do box breathing. Uh, do the four, seven, eight, you know, um, you know, do the, you know, do the heart, you know, the mind heart connection, you know, whatever it is. We, if we're anxiety, meditate, give if you you can't meditate for five minutes, take a couple of deep breaths. Well, guess what? When, when you're in a competition with somebody, your brain doesn't know it's baseball. It just knows there's something going on here that, 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 that there's some anxiety here. Where's this thing? Where's this adrenaline rust that just hit me? You know what I mean? So like, controlling that adrenaline rush being able to slow down was my superpower because i realized it doesn't matter what the results are it doesn't matter that i'm old for my last 12 i could be 12 for my next 12 i just got to win this pitch mm-hmm. i just got to slow down and win this pitch and i can't take all the failure that's happening because even as a career 300 hitter i failed 70 percent of the time babe ruth was the ultimate home run hitter and he struck out more than he more than you know more than anybody in the history of the game jim told me 612 home runs second most strikeouts in the game like do you think those guys loved walking I talked to Jim Tomey one time I was like case one time I was 0 for 5 five strikeouts walking back to the dugout have no idea what I'm doing like it's frustrated uh, people are yelling at me and I'm thinking this is Jim Tomey they got a statue of him in Cleveland what made him better than than anyone else man this guy was able to come back the next day because yeah. he's coming for you yeah. he knows he's one pitch away so you know I think that was the biggest thing for me bro the breath, mastering the process, knowing that I could always lean on it. I could always go back to it. And I wasn't going to let my good games or my bad games dictate what my process was because I knew I just needed to do it every day. And that's why at the end of the year, it's exhausting. At the end of the year, when, when you take a deep breath and you know you got four months off for the offseason, you're like, wow,
0: that was a grind. I'm- Amazing. I heard, I don't know who it was. I'm trying to think right now. It was, it was, it was a podcast guest Somebody was talking to. Uh, they said the, the, the physical difference, the only difference between your body's recognition of fear and excitement is breathing. You don't breathe when you're in fear. So to right. your point, and he, that person was saying, you need to sort of, if you, if you recognize the fear and breathe in that moment, you'll convert it to excitement. You'll oh, convert your body's right from fear to excitement. I thought that was a brilliant that. thing. And I, 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 Whoever said it, I apologize if I'm stealing your line. I'm not taking credit for it. it I love that. Lot, but, I love it. And, right, you change if,
1: your, and you change your state, right? I mean, you, you just said you went yep. from an anxious state to a state of, okay, I'm okay. Yeah, I'm okay. Like, I'm not getting chased by a saber toothed tiger here. Right, right, I'm right. actually safe. I'm okay. I can, let me just get out of this anxious state into a state that where I can. I, I think, really quick, in 2006, it was one of my favorite at bats of my career. I'm in the World Series, I'm having a great World Series. My last up out of the World Series, game five, Adam Wainwright, ninth inning. Uh, the, the Cardinals are up, I think, four to two in the game. They're three outs away from a World Series title. They're up three, one in the series. Out one happens. I'm on deck. So I come in, I come into the game. I mean, I come into the plate. Here we go. Crowd's kind of going crazy. Wainwright's out there, rookie, closing the games, throwing 98. Good changeup. First pitch, heater, bam, gets me 0-1. So I'm like, I take a, take a big swing. Like, okay, <clears throat> I'm good. Next pitch, change up. Totally has me off. Deceives me big time. I Out front, swing and miss. You know, now, brother, a moment in my life that I've never experienced a deafening roar like this, and I'll never experience it again. I step out. Now, think about this. 60,000 people in St. Louis know they're one strike away and one out away from a World Series title. They come to their feet in a deafening roar bro deafening roar and I stepped out I remember getting caught in the moment I was like oh my god is that loud oh like uh, my ears are ringing loud like I oh my god I start I remember looking around like and 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 places going up then I thought to myself okay my only shot in this environment of pandemonium all against me in this moment is to get back into the moment and lean on the process that
0: has helped me my whole career to this point. This is going through you. This is what you're thinking at this moment.
1: At this moment, I'm no thinking, shit. yes, wow. I'm thinking, this is what I'm thinking. You got to get out of this moment because this is this is nuts. This is anxiety times a million. This is this is a this is loud, as loud as you've ever had it. I gotta get out of this moment. Yeah. This state, I cannot perform it. So I remember I took two breaths. One the only time. I was like, I got one. You know, through my nose, I mean, through my belly and my nose, got that breath, and then I stepped in the box. And I was like, and I got it. And, bro, it was unbelievable. Crowd's still going. They all of a sudden go away. Crowd goes away. I look out at Adam Wainwright. I don't think about game five, two strikes, nothing. I just know if this pitch, I can get it back to one, two, and switch it back in my favor. He throws me a next change. tries to get double up on the change, but he got me O2. I take it. Well, I said a good take. Back to one, two, step in, take a breath. Back in the flow state. It's like almost a tunnel. It's me versus Adam Wainwright. Two minutes uh, about a minute earlier, it was pandemonium. I'm back in the state I need to be in. Next pitch, high fastball. Two, two. I say to myself, this guy does not want to pitch to me for whatever reason. I'm hot, but he needs to come out. Now I got him. Next pitch, another fastball down. 3-2, remember like being as relaxed as I've ever been in my life. I don't see anything. All I'm thinking about in myself is see the ball, hammer it. See the ball, hammer it. Ball, ball, ball. He throws me 98 mile an hour fastball. Bam, I cover one. Rock it into the gap. It hits the, I mean, it would have gone through the wall. It hits the wall, ricochets. I double, um, you know, I get taken out for pitch runner, obviously. So, <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, it just never like, stops. I, but This moment just changed me. I was all like, ah, and then you're like, yeah, I'm a yeah, fan. Get, get him out of here.
1: get him out. But I'm on second base. And I thought to myself, like, I was having a moment like that. Now it's now, now I've, now I've silenced the crowd. Yeah, yeah. I've gone from absolute pain to complete silence. And I'm on second base and I come in, we end up, you know, they get two outs. We lose the game. But I look back at that moment in my career, that at bat, and I say, I, all the moments from 14 years old, Yeah. all the moments of this book, all the moments of the at-bats I had in the experience. I always tell my kids, you can't teach experience. Mm. I leaned on that experience in that moment to come through when, when it was as anxious and deafening as ever. And I was like, there you go. That that's what it's all about right there.
0: Holy cow, man. That, that was straight fire. Like I, I'm like shaking. <laughs> unbelievable that's an incredible yeah. story and yeah. i i love the the blend i mean it's a fun story everybody remembers that yeah. whole series everything else but at the same time the 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 to take us through that thought process take me through it and yeah. and the the uh you know what you reminded me of what's the movie for love of the game clear the mechanism oh, yeah, that's what that that's <laughs> what Mecha i thought of. When he right. said but it's yeah. it's to your point it's the it's the uh uh what's the word the aggregation the i can't think of the word of all of those years and that time and those reps and the intentionality and those reps that peak performance moment it culminates with you taking sixty thousand fans out of a game at least for a moment with a rocket shot a rocket shot like you said that would have gone through the wall because you did you followed your process holy shit
1: exactly and so talk about talk about the house being on fire yeah like hey the house is on fire what are you gonna do oh my plan is to get the pictures and get out. I always tell myself, right. you know, get the pictures. And get out. Like the house was on fire, yeah. but I had a plan and yeah. the, the plan it was old, reliable. It had worked for, it was my ninth. It was my ninth year in the big leagues. It had worked for nine years. It had worked to go to three all-star games. It was going to work again in that pandemonium. I just had to have awareness of what was going on and get myself back to the state. I needed to get to perform.
0: Wow, man. We're going to talk about the mayor's office, your podcast, your YouTube channel, because if people loved that segment just now, that Adam Wainwright story, you're going to love the mayor's office. It is literally like you walked into into the locker room and you're hearing guys talk unfiltered about baseball. We'll talk about that in a moment. I want to be respectful of your time as well, but I do want to ask this real quick. The difference, this is my perspective, the difference between your career, significant career, and say that of a you know, Derek Cheater, Jeff Bagwell, these guys that that go to that like oh 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 one percent. Is that is there an element of luck there? And what I mean by that is not like they're lucky to be where they are, but like are you so razor thin close when you're at that level where you are and say, let's go with Jeff Bagwell, just because I I, I yeah, loved yeah. his I loved his interview yeah. that you did. Great. But is it just like longevity? uh, the right team, the right situation. Like, is that the difference there? Or is there anything that a Jeff Bagwell does that you didn't in his career? Or is there anything in his mindset that you feel was just like that razor's edge more than you were better than you? I, I don't know. Like what's yeah. the difference at that level when we extract the smallest percentage of peak performance? it's productivity
1: you know it's 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 longevity it's doing it for a long period of time and putting up the numbers that you need to put up and like you look at a guy like jeff bagwell and you go this guy's putting up 40 home run years gold glove at first base he's hitting 300 you know and and you know the greatest thing about my podcast is this and, and, and as a fan like yeah, yeah, yeah i'm almost a fan of my own podcast because yeah, i'm like amazing. this yeah. is unbelievable yeah. to hear jeff bagwell <laughs> take me through his hitting process, take me through what he thought about at the dish and, you know, and, and the, and the batting practice he took and, and the, just the, his thinking, cause I know that's the separator at that level, you know? And so, yeah, I just think those guys, I remember going to the 2004 all-star game and we're sitting, this is the best of the best. I'm at the table. It's Mike Piazza, me and Scott Rowland. We're sitting there yeah. and, you know, we're talking baseball and, you know, and Albert Poultz at the time's, the best player on the planet. Huge. Right. Well, yeah. him and Bond, him and Bonds are the best part, but Pools is doing things, you know, it's it's unbelievable what he's doing. And I remember asking Scott Rowland, who was his teammate at the time with the Cardinals, I said, Scott, what's what what is it about Albert that is making us at the All-Star game look like it's his game? And then we're like, <laughs> hey, it's Albert Pools' game, you know? And right, Barry
0: right.
1: he said, Case, he goes, I've never seen it before. This guy doesn't waste one pitch. It could be nine-nothing on a tuesday night we're losing in july in kansas city hot as hot as can be and (laughs) and and there's two outs and the game doesn't matter and he's getting a 12 13 14 pitch a bat and the rockets went up the middle and you're like this is unbelievable but it was like it's that razor thin yeah yeah. you know what i mean it's it's something a little different than you know i'm a career 300 reds hall of famer what an unbelievable career the guys in cooperstown there's there's a skill Definitely. level, too. There's something a sure, little different sure. there. You know what I mean? There's, yeah. and, and, you know, that they're just a little bit better, that they're the, one, they're the 1% of the, the .001%. Right, you know right, so, right, yeah. And that's what's fascinating for me, too, man, to ask these guys, what was it, man? What was it? What did your dad say to you? Yeah. What do you say to your kids? What did you say to yourself in the box that made you that elite of a player,
0: you know? Man. This is fascinating. Give me a little bit more on the mayor's office. Uh, Tell people what you're, what you're looking to accomplish here. Some of the guests you've had, just give us a little bit of detail on that. Just you know,
1: it's a wonderful, you know, I've been doing this podcast probably like eight months now. It's just been really a ton of fun. But like I said, you know, I get a chance to sit down with Johnny bench for an hour and bring you James. I can't wait for you to listen to it into to that, that conversation. You'll be blown away. I mean, yeah. I, I'm, I'm blown away, you know, yeah. to hear these guys, you know, Johnny bench to say, Hey Johnny, what was your favorite all-star game moment? He said, yeah, my first all-star game. I was back a backup catcher. I can't remember who the guy he was backing up. He said, Willie Mays. I saw Willie Mays walking over in the clubhouse and I didn't know where he was going. He kept walking, kept walking, walks up to me. He says, Hey, you should be starting this game. Mm. You're the best catcher in the in national league. I go, like, I mean, to hear Johnny Bench yeah. say his greatest story was when Willie Mays, Willie Mays. walked up to him <laughs> in the clubhouse to say you should be starting. You know, for me, I'm like, this is this is this is gold. So yeah. if you know it's my podcast is about, you know, as a dad, I want to hear what what influence did your dad or what influence, if you didn't have a dad, what influence did somebody have on your life? That that got you to the level you got to, and what what what's the what's the advice that you give other people? And then I just then I then also we get into their career about what made you so good, what made you love the game, what what, what you know I get into the in their into their minds too about you know why they were so good in that aspect too. It's just a really fun time, man. You know, and uh, we've really enjoyed. It. Jeff Bagwell was one of our yeah. you know guests recently. Um, you know and Jim Sabathia. Leland's podcast, Jim Leland. yeah. CC yeah. Sabathia was was great. You know Ryan Dempster, Kevin Dustin Bedroya was. Yeah. Fascinating. Adam Dunn. Dante Bichette gives a great one. Obviously, his son bows in the big things, but Dante's one of the best hitting coaches. You know, if anyone out there is a dad and you have a young son, you want to you know get into the mind of a hitting coach. I mean, Dante Bichette stuff that he talks about on there is phenomenal. So I just want to get I just want people to listen to it because I know how how amazing it is talking to some of the greatest players you know, would ever play the game.
0: No doubt, man. No, it's incredible. Even Ray Boom Boom Mancini. Got oh the my guys gosh. All, right.
1: The Boom oh, Boom oh. Mancini one's fascinating. Fast. Two hours of Boom Boom. And the, I mean, it's phenomenal. Wow. Phenomenal. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've phenomenal. Got, I told
0: you, I got a drive coming up that I'm <laughs> consuming a lot of consuming a lot of the mayor's office. Yes. Oh, very cool. Let's real quick before I let you go. I know you have to get going here. The Miracle League of the South Hills. This is a, a big passion project of yours. Tell us what that is and where people yes. can learn more about it.
1: Oh man, Miracle League of the South. So we started it ten years ago. There's a, um, you know, over 300 Miracle Leagues in the in the, in the country. You know, we, we the, our motto is every kid deserves a chance to play baseball. So we have kids of all abilities. You know, we we, we don't like to say disabilities. We say all abilities. Our kids have all abilities: cerebral palsy, Down syndrome, autism, whatever. Come on out we'll, and and let's play. And uh, we have over 350 kids that we serve. Um, we have an all inclusive playground there for the kids we have a job training facility where we built this concession stand where we have our kids working there and then we teach them how to you know build a resume how to give a job interview and then how to handle you know money credit cards and things and then we're going to partner with other other um companies in the pittsburgh area to have them get jobs so it's been a it's a wonderful organization Um, you know you can learn more about us at miracleleaguesouthhills.org um, and, uh, you know, we're always looking for if you're in the Pittsburgh area volunteers, but we're always looking for donations. Uh, we're about to redo the field soon, which you wouldn't believe how expensive this field is yeah. like, over $300,000 wow. with the surface and the drainage and stuff. So it's a Jamie talk about joy. I always tell people, man, if you are having a bad day, if you are struggling in life, come on down to the Miracle League for 30 minutes, an hour. And if you'll get a shot of joy and a shot of perspective and a shot of gratitude. And, uh, you know, I think that's what it's all about.
0: Wow, man. Unbelievable. All right. Let's wrap it on this. Where can people learn more about you? Obviously we've got the mayor's office yeah. you can find on YouTube on any yes. podcast platform. We've talked miracle league of South Hill, yeah. of South Hills.org. Is there yep. anywhere else you I'm want a, to direct? Yeah, I'm, on,
1: to? I'm, on, I'm on Twitter at the mayor's office. And then, uh, I'm on, on Instagram I'm on at the mayor's office, MLB. And then we also have our YouTube channel. Uh, you know, I think the mayor's office with Sean Casey or whatever. Yep. So, all I found over him. the all over the place, bro. You know,
0: <laughs> all getting it all out, out the there, place. over there. And man, you know, you're. I told you this when we were talking earlier. Your energy is unbelievable and infectious. And I, what was the name? I said you're like the COVID of. uh yeah. yeah. the COVID yeah. of. Yeah, you yeah you I was just. Trying- I was it, trying to it, think it if we could think energy. of something else
1: besides COVID, we could get like some, uh, whatever it is. Like, you know, I don't even know, but, but the the great energy out there, you know, I love it. Like, Hey, I always think like, you know, uh, you know what's the saying uh, suffering ends when gratitude begins. And I always yeah. try to say, man, what, what am I grateful for today that I can lean on and I'm grateful to be on with you today, man. I really, really enjoyed this conversation. Thanks. Enjoyed our pre podcast conversation too. Yeah. And looking forward yeah. to, uh, you know, connecting with you in the future
0: hundred percent, man. Now, oh, thank you so much for this. I appreciate you. I'll let you get out of here. Thanks again for being here.
1: Okay, Jamie. Thanks so much, man.
0: The wrong tribe confounds. The right tribe compounds. Get your free copy of the runaway bestseller, Tribe of Millionaires, a $20 value at tribeofmillionaires.com free. Just pay the shipping. That's tribeofmillionaires.com.
1: Thank you for tuning in to the Go Abundance podcast. We hope to see you at a live event in the near future. If you're new to us, here's a quick explanation of our programs. Number one, Emerge, a web-based journey for millionaires to be. Number two, Ascend, an interactive mastermind, the next stage of our journey. Number three, Go Abundance Elite, the original tribe of millionaires. Number four, Go Abundance Champions, 5 million net worth and above. Number five, Go Abundance Women, a tribe of amazing badass women. For detailed information on all five of these, simply find us at GoBundance.com. Until then, grab life big.